Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Morning. God is in the hospitality business. He continually invites people to his table. And today we're going to be talking about the gospel, the good news, which is what Christmas is all about. The gospel means good news. And we're going to do a little review about it today because maybe it's been a long time since you've really appreciated the fact that uh, because of Christmas and Easter, of course, combined, Um, we have eternity with God himself. That's why I like to talk about God being in the hospitality business. He invited us. He knows he's the only one who is perfectly suited to satisfy and sustain us. So he reaches out to us. Now, you may have received an invitation before, but never thought it was for you, or you were too distracted by life to think any more about it. Listening to this today may be yet another invitation from the ultimate host, God himself. The invitation reads this way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. That's Jesus talking. I am the way. I'm not a way. I'm the way. So come. John wrote in John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. If you want life, come. I'm only half alive if I haven't entered into life with God. What a privilege. What a privilege. How do I do that? Well, first of all, I have to admit that I need God. God already knows that I do, but there's a problem. He's holy and I'm not. Due to our sin, we are on a fast track to permanent separation from God. Hell for all eternity. Jesus talked a lot about hell. If you believe Jesus on one thing, you have to believe him on everything. He's not partial truth and partial lying. He's either one or the other. Now, the honest person admits that he's not perfect enough for God. God's invitation, followed by our RSVP, rescues us from that death and separation. That's why it's good news. I would call it great news. While I was at lunch with a friend, I was actually at the Apple Farm Inn. Maybe you've been here in San Luis Obispo. And I was trying to explain this good news. You know, when people haven't heard it before, it could sound odd to them, to their ears even. So I blurted this out. Well... The best thing about Christianity is uh, forgiveness. And she replied, that's no small thing, Sue. And she was right. It's a very big thing. Relationship with God at his table, life forever, and freedom from death. That's big. That's big. Sure, our bodies will die, but this time on earth is just a smidgen of life. God's good news invitation equals hope beyond this life. That's why believers of all people should not be frantic when life makes us feel frantic. We should not be anxious when we don't know our future because we do know our future. 
most people figure I'm not so bad. A good God wouldn't send me to hell. And since you say he will, I'm not going to believe in him. They might say, well, I pay taxes. I give to the poor. I don't beat my children. I'm sorry that this doesn't cut it. God is holy and I'm not. You can ask my children, they'll tell you. That means no matter how good my good is, I'm not good enough to sit down at the table with the perfect God. But he loved us so much, he sent his son, Jesus, to earth to die on the cross. He came after us. His death paid the consequences for our sin. The cross really is the middle and the best part and the highest part of the gospel good news. That's how we are forgiven. We're not forgiven because of our good deeds. We're not even forgiven because God loves us. We're forgiven because of the cross. Jesus paid the price for our sin. One can't outweigh the other like a teeter-totter. One good deed cancels out one sin. Nope. Only Christ's sacrifice on the cross cancels our sin, and I mean all of our sins. That's quite an exchange, but it's what God required. We need to put our trust in what Christ did. So when we RSVP to God's invitation to know him, we agree that his son's death is what we need to be forgiven. You may have not uh, prayed this prayer before, and you can right now. Dear God, I believe you sent Jesus to live for me and to die in my place. I know I'm more sinful than I've ever believed, but more loved than I've ever deserved. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. I place my trust in Jesus and my life in your hands. Let the eternal celebration begin. Amen. Man's religions figures that we can do something to reach God. Faith in Christ takes away that impossible burden, that trying to be good enough is a terrible burden. Now, the good news invitation includes lots of things, but first of all, we don't need to stress about self-efforts to reach God. They don't work anyway. Secondly, God looks at us and sees the blood of Christ, which makes us perfect in his eyes. Now, these basic tenets help me remember what salvation is all about. The ABCs of salvation. A, all people need forgiveness from God. All people. You might be thinking, oh, my grandmother, she never did anything wrong. All people. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. B in the ABCs of salvation, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross for you. He was not just a moral teacher. He was not just a model for living a good life. He was not just a miracle worker. He is the Son of God. Romans 10.10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. There we go. That's it. C of the ABCs, confess to God that you're a sinner and invite Jesus into your life. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you may not have a huge faith, but you have a little bit of faith. God honors that. He calls it the faith of a mustard seed. And if you've looked in your spice cabinet recently, a mustard seed is very tiny. God values that. Now, how do we know that we're invited to know God? These scriptures show us God's welcoming heart. And this is why my website is called welcomeheart.com and not suedonaldson.com because it's not about me. It's about God welcoming me and welcoming you. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, like from the very beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God anticipated our arrival. He made the heaven and the earth, and then he made you and me. God provided the perfect welcome, Psalm 23, 5 and 6. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. God knows how to set a table. I came in the other night, and I came in after my company had arrived. But my daughters were there, and they had set the table, and I told Mary later, everything looks so beautiful and festive, and I didn't need to worry at all. I came in, and everything was already set. That's how God sets the table for us, and it's really beautiful. God loved us first. 1 John 4.10 says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He loves us so much, and he proved it. It wasn't a fake thing. He didn't just talk about love. He proved it. Next, God prepared a way for you and me to come to him. John 1.12, but to all who believed in him, Jesus, and accepted him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave us the privilege to be his very own. My darling niece, Tamara, is adopted. And she decided she wanted to adopt. So she had three darling daughters, she and her husband. And they just went down to Columbia and adopted a brother and sister. She understands adoption. They are his, their very own kids now. And God gave us the privilege to be adopted as his very own. God invited the whole world, John 3, 16, for God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. It's God's design that we are saved to be with him forever. God did the work of salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You know, we are such boastful people. I have such a pride issue. And so God made sure that we can't depend on ourselves for salvation because it's a gift. This is the time for gift giving. I'm working at my on my daughter's spreadsheets about what they want for Christmas. It's a time for me to show them great love through gift giving. God gave us the gift of salvation through his son. Nothing we do is enough for salvation. Everything he did is enough. Now that's good news. Now, when you're starting out in your faith, or maybe you just need a reminder, these are some great reminders. Take time to ask your questions. When you doubt, and you will, 
go back to those words of comfort that I just repeat, uh, repeated for you. God loved you enough to send his only son, and he will not mind your questions. As my friend Jim Hill said to me long ago, Sue, if God is not big enough for, big enough for your questions, then he isn't a big enough God. Take time to pray. Pray every day about everything. You're his child. Children know that they can ask and talk all the time, and they do. And that's what God wants from us. When did we stop talking to God? If you've stopped talking to God about everything, even the details, you can start right now. Talking and asking and listening, all kinds of communication builds intimacy. God does not want us at arm's length. He wants us up close and in his lap. God doesn't set office hours. Pray all the time. He's up. Oswald Chambers wrote, get into the habit of dealing with God about everything. Unless in the first waking moment of the day you learn to fling the door wide back and let God in, you will work on a wrong level all day. But swing the door wide open and pray to your father in secret, and every public thing will be stamped with the presence of God. Take time to look at the big picture, life eternal in heaven. Life here will not be perfect. Just because you're sitting at God's table, perfection starts later in heaven. And when I expect some things to be perfect, I get in trouble. My expectations are not realized. And it's silly. Perfection starts later. Some days life's a bummer. But Jesus said to expect it. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, he told his followers. But take heart because I have overcome the world. That's in John 16, 33. Note the past tense. Christ has already overcome any trial or trouble that we are currently facing. A friend of mine's sister died last week from COVID and she left two grown children, but one is special needs. Life is hard, but she's with Jesus right now. That's the hope that we can have. That's the great news. That's the good news. Because we are his forever, someday all tears and sorrow and stress will be gone. C.S. Lewis wrote this, if I find in myself a desire which no one, no one experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. The big picture is that we're meant for another world. Take time to trust God. You're going to hear from Megan Marshman next week. And she wrote a book about trusting God. And two weeks later, her husband passed away suddenly of a heart attack. She is still trusting God. She's a beautiful woman, and I can't wait until you can hear her podcast interview next week. I still need help not to fret and worry, so I go to God and His Word. Here are two great places to land when puddled in fear, stress, tears, or disappointment. Jesus said this in John 14, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. See how hospitable he is. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't worry about anything. Anything. He must not have had daughters. Instead, pray about everything. Believe me, I am. 
Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The good news of the gospel is this. When life hurts, I run to Jesus more often. And that's the best thing about my life. That's the best thing about my life. Not how much I weigh, not what good outfit I just bought at TJ Maxx, not the fact that someone likes my podcast or bought one of my books. No, or that my kids are great. No, or my husband as well. When life hurts, I run to Jesus more often. And that's the best thing about my life. And it's the best thing about your life that you run to Jesus. Intimacy with him now is good practice for heaven. Take time to read God's word every day. It's our compass. It's our standard. It's our comfort. He wrote it just for us. You want to know what's wrong in your life or how to live his way or how to teach others? Read scripture. Try out a couple different versions. I like the message and the New Living Translation for daily reading and the New American Standard or the English Standard Version or New International Version for study. Take time to meet with other believers. Don't just listen to a sermon on a podcast or even to this or sit on the couch. We need to be with other believers. We need each other for encouragement and teaching and occasionally a swift kick in the pants. That means find a local church that teaches God's word and invites you to serve God by serving one another and those outside the church. John Stowell wrote this, self-sufficiency is life's greatest barricade to intimacy with God. We don't go to church to leave the world behind. We go to church to know how to live more godly in the world in which we live day in and day out. Find a church that teaches the Bible, that creates community, that loves and cares for the unchurched, and that reaches the world with the gospel good news that we're talking about today. Paul said that Christians are all parts of the body, and we know we need all our body parts to keep it running and healthy. When I get a hangnail, I feel it, and so does everybody around me. I don't do well with pain. When a Christian is hurting in the church, we can feel it alongside with that one and draw up alongside to help be Jesus to one another and direct them to Jesus. No church is perfect, so it's the perfect place for believers. Bernie May of Wycliffe Bible Translators used to say, God loves the world. It's the people in the world that are the challenge. True, but still so wonderful to be part of a church family that weeps when you weep and laughs when you laugh. Romans 12, 15. In church, we worship together, which encourages our focus on God and gives him glory, which is why we're still here, by the way. Take time to serve. We don't need to be sponges and pew sitters. Ask God what he'd like you to do to serve his family and glorify his name and see how he leads you. You don't do the same thing that I do. I don't do the same thing as my friend Lisa does or my friend Deborah does or my sisters or even my brothers. No, but we all want to ask him and say, hey, Lord, how can I glorify you today? I'm just so excited to be your child. God promises to give us strength, but we won't learn that if we just sit down and soak and let everybody teach us, and we don't serve God by serving them. Philippians 4.13 is a great motivator. Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My mother used to feel badly about not having gone to college. She mentioned to that, that to me on more than one occasion. 
but that did not keep her from using her God-given gifts of organization and hospitality to bless others. I remember when she was 84, she finally had to stop her job of wiping the pews because of orders from her chiropractor. Betty, you can no longer wipe the pews at Rolling Hills Covenant Church. It's not good for your back. Mom received great joy from serving, no matter what kind of serving. And you can too. But we don't serve God to earn our salvation. We serve him because we delight in being saved by him. We serve from a response to his great love and because he rescued us from death. Therefore, gratitude, not pride, is our motivation. And that's what keeps us going when it's hard and there's not a lot of attention on what we've been doing for Jesus. Paul wrote, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he had done for you has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Romans 12.1. Take time to be mentored. What does that mean? Ask God for someone to meet with you one-on-one -on, -one on a regular basis, maybe just one time a month. I know you're busy. I'm busy. I understand that. But if you have someone in your life who can pour into your life things that they have learned at the feet of Jesus, you will be better off. And there'll be things that then you'll be able to pass on to someone else. Memorize scripture and pray together. As my friend Steve Jenny said, we all need a friend that we can be weak with. Do you have a friend that you can be weak with? Share each other's burdens, Galatians 6.2 reads, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So when we share another's burden, we're being obedient. Now, as you grow in Jesus, eventually God will bring a younger believer alongside and you can become a mentor for them. Take time to confess your sins. Just because you're saved and guaranteed a place at God's table doesn't mean you're perfect. You would be the first to admit that. When I hurt someone, which I did maybe two days ago or maybe just 24 hours ago, it hurts God. And I need to make it right on both counts by asking for forgiveness. Asking God for forgiveness and then asking the person for forgiveness. And I did. I couldn't rest easy until I did. And she forgave me. David repented in Psalm 51. Go read that Psalm. If you're feeling guilty about something, that's a gift from God. He's, he's given this, this great gift of feeling contrite and repentance. It's such a great gift. Why is it? Because we come back into his lap and we accept his great uh, forgiveness in Psalm 32. Make sure you do both. We have too much life to live to be dragging around a load of sin for which Christ already paid. So Psalm 51 and then Psalm 32. Keep short accounts. Ask God to make your heart tender towards him so that when you sin, because you know you will, you know you've grieved him. And you want to make things right, right away. That's what I mean by short accounts. Short accounts means the sooner I confess, the quicker my relationship with God is restored. Here's a verse that helps me every day. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Take time to know your Savior. 
Jesus loves you. God created us to know him intimately. We get to spend the remainder of our time on earth getting to know our God, his son, and the Holy Spirit. Relationship means knowing, and knowing means intimacy. And that's why Jesus died and rose again. That's good news. Get to know him. He loves it, and you will too. Here's a start. David wrote in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Try tasting your God and his goodness and see what he shows you. Here's a very short list, and you can add to it your whole life long this side of heaven and praise him for it the other side of glory. God is my strong fortress. Have you tasted him as your strong fortress lately? God is my constant companion. God is my good shepherd. God is my friend. God is my comfort. And God is the delight of my soul. And that's just a short list. Man's greatest need is to know God and belong to him. As Chambers said, all of life's questions are answered in this phrase, come unto me and find rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to his table. You're invited. If you've never come, RSVP. Then grow up in him and ask God, who else do you want me to invite? There's plenty of room at the table. If you have never prayed that prayer to become a member of God's family, I'm going to repeat it for you right now a little slowly and feel free to pray it. And then in the show notes will be a copy of a transcription of this entire uh, podcast today. So in case you want to go over one of the scriptures that I read or one of the thoughts that God is speaking to you about, then you can do that. So you're welcome to get a copy of this whole thing and print it off if you like. All right, let me find this prayer and you can pray it again. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for allowing him to die on the cross for my sins. I accept your forgiveness right now. I place my trust in Jesus and my life in your hand. Let the celebration begin. Amen. If this is the first time you've prayed this prayer, would you just drop me an email, sue at welcomeheart.com? I would love to pray for you this entire Christmas month. This is the best gift that you could give yourself. Talk about self-care. Come to Jesus' table. He says come, and he will sustain you and he will delight you. Have a wonderful day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.